0: Open your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians 4. We have been thinking about the question and looking at the question, what did churches in the New Testament do when they came together? We have seen that when they came together, they partook of the Lord's Supper. When they came together, they uh, they sang, they prayed. And we also see when they came together, they read Scripture and they taught from Scripture. We have also tried to stress. That these things they did when they came together were fundamental for their spiritual lives. But in Colossians 4, as Paul was writing to the church at Colossae and nears the end of the epistle, in verse 16, he says, When this letter is read among you, have it also read to the church of the Laodiceans, and you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Now, I think, without going into detail, but there's uh, some good reason to think that the letter from Laodicea is the book of Ephesians. And there's some manuscript reasons uh, for that. But he said, you read this letter, see this letter is read, and when it's read, also read this letter. And uh, the same kind of idea appears in First Thessalonians chapter 5. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 27, when they came together, they read the words of the apostles. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 27, I adjure you by the Lord to have this letter read to all the brethren. So, specifically at the end of a couple of these epistles of Paul, he states that this letter is to be read among the brethren. You also see that implied in a passage like Revelation 1 and verse 3. Blessed is he who reads. And uh, also <coughs> in verse Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13... When Paul tells Timothy to give attention to reading, the idea may be the public reading of Scripture. They came together sometimes to read the Word. I want to tell you that is a skill that doesn't come easily, I understand Paul writing Timothy and saying give attention to reading. Read the scriptures well. There's a couple of preachers that I could mention. One is older than me. One is younger than me. That I have noticed in scripture, in, in sermons, are particularly adept at, scri- at scripture reading. They, they, they do a tremendous job with just reading the scripture. I have tried to improve. Not there yet, but uh, my problem is sometimes omitting words that are there or adding ones that aren't. But it is a skill that we need to work at. And not only is it true, when... That people came together to read, but also there was teaching involved. There was instruction. There was guidance. And this was true from the very earliest times that we see churches existing. In Acts 2, as the gospel is preached and 3,000 are baptized um, at this message of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, the Bible says the disciples in Acts 2.42 were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. To the apostles' teaching. The apostles are teaching them. They are instructing them and they are guiding them in the things of God, the words of Jesus, as Jesus said they would in John 14 through 16. Look at Acts 11 verse 26. I hope some of you recognize Acts eleven twenty six 26 is where the disciples are first called Christians there at Antioch. That's not the part of the verse, though, we're going to emphasize right now, but the text tells us in Acts eleven twenty six, 26, when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year... This is this is Barnabas finding Saul, or Paul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. Now it seems like to me that this teaching considerable numbers that at least a large part of that is taking place in the assembly no doubt knowing Paul and Barnabas it was not limited to them but but in the assembly they met together and they taught the word of God in Acts 14 verse 27 the Bible says that when Paul and Barnabas had finished their first journey they came back and reported all the things that God had had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles but he's speaking to the church he's preaching to the church he's preaching to them he's telling them what happened on those journeys and in telling them he is emphasizing that God was opening up a door for them he's emphasizing God's hand in the progress of the gospel just like the book of Acts does In Acts 20 and verse 7, as the Bible says on the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began to talk with them. Paul began talking with them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. Paul is speaking and preaching and teaching in this time they came together. You see, when early Christians met, there was much attention paid to the Word, to reading it, to explaining it, to talking about it, and really, this shouldn't surprise us. Because there's always been a close connection between worship and reading the Word but, but let's look back at the synagogue services in the New Testament. There are two synagogue services that are mentioned in the New Testament. In Luke 4 and Acts 13. And I think you can see, you see the point that as disciples, as these people gather in synagogues, that they did much the same thing that the early believers did. In reading the Scripture, in expounding the Scripture, now Luke Luke 4 is very interesting because Jesus is the one at his hometown synagogue at Nazareth. In Luke 4 and verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. It was his custom to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he stood up to read. And the, the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closed the book gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, he stood up to read. You notice that he stands up to read. He closes the book later and sits down. One of the theories, it seems, behind this is they stood up to read. They sat down to comment on Scripture. Because they were stating that my comments on Scripture are not the equivalent of Scripture itself. Now, I know with this speaker that's different. And I know in Acts 13, Paul stood up to speak. But it does seem to have been a custom in some cases. Now, also a custom that I've had more trouble documenting. And I know I share it here. But it seems to have been a custom that they would have let any male preach. But they chose the most educated male to read. i want you to think about that think about that we think sometimes that a scripture reading is where we put someone who's rightly inexperienced and maybe they can't do much damage and i am thankful that i had opportunity when i was young to read scripture in services what I'm trying to say is just to show the seriousness that they put on reading the Word. And I do believe there's a disadvantage we have. Our disadvantage in the midst of a society where you can record everything is we may not pay attention to it as closely the first time and often memorize nothing they in a culture where not everyone has access to a book pay the most most diligent attention when that word is read they're listening closely and Jesus stood up to read It's interesting to me. He doesn't just me. He could have. But he read it. He read it. He closed the book. Most of this is scripture reading. Only briefly do we know his comments. He said today the scripture... Is fulfilled in your sight. Jesus is the fulfillment of Scripture. Now, there's another synagogue service recorded in Acts 13. This is on Paul and Paul and Barnabas and their first journey, and they're at Antioch of Pisidia. They go to the synagogue, and on verse 14. It says, going on from Perga, they arrived at Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue after the reading of the law and the prophets. So one of the things we're trying to establish is just in Jewish synagogue worship, they read the word, they read the scripture. They read the law, they read the prophets. But they had a reading from the law, they had a reading from the prophets, and it said, after that reading the officials said to Paul brethren if you have any word of exhortation speak on. Now this particular account only mentions the reading and focuses on great detail on the exposition of the reading and really in a certain sense what the sermon of Paul emphasizes is what Jesus said back in Luke 4. Today, this scripture is fulfilling your hearing. He's emphasizing how all the Old Testament points to Jesus and finds its fulfillment in Him. He is preaching the kind of thing in the synagogue that maybe Jesus was preaching. And, maybe Jesus, and certainly Jesus was summing up. In um, in some way. So again, the importance of simply reading the word and teaching the word in Acts fifteen, verse twenty one. The Bible tells us from Moses, from Moses from ancient times has in every city those who preach him since he is read in the synagogues every Sabbath. There's a great value in reading personally. How are you doing in your daily reading? There's a great value in reading personally the Scripture. And there is a great value in reading it and expounding it together. As we open this book, it is a statement that God and His revelation through this Scripture is what this group of people share in common. There may be all kinds of differences on some points we share in common a respect for God and Christ and his word and Ryan has pointed out those things well this was not carefully orchestrated but his was a good hour and a half introduction to this sermon and But one of the things I want to stress, as I stated earlier, that always what we do when we're together, what we're doing is not just incidental or insignificant, it's fundamental to our spiritual life. Look at Luke 10, if you would. Luke 10. This is not in the context of a meeting of an early church. This is not in the context of the meeting of a Jewish synagogue. But I want you to see the priority that Jesus places on the Word. And the priority that Jesus places upon listening to teaching from the Word. In Luke chapter 10 verse 38, right after the Good Samaritan, it says as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Martha has welcomed Jesus into her home. That's a noble thing. That's a good thing. I assume that all this preparation that Martha is distracted with is preparation for Jesus. She has invited the greatest of all guests into her home. She has the opportunity for him to be there with the and she is busy with preparations and she is aggravated at her sister who dares to be the lazy as to sit there and listen to the words of Jesus while she's busy and she says Lord don't you care that she's left me alone to do all this serving And Jesus said, Mary has chosen the good part. You are worried and bothered about so many things. She's chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Even preparing a meal for Jesus is not as important as sitting at his feet. And listen to what he said. The reason we emphasize reading and study on a personal level and have things like the daily Bible reading and stress to study for Bible classes The reason that we emphasize the preaching and reading of the word is because of passages like this. Because it is fundamental to our relationship with God to listen to Him, to listen to Him. For He has the instruction on which we base our lives now we could go into more detail with any of these passages that we're about to look at I want us to look at about three Old Testament passages and I want us to see that there's always been a close connection between worshipping God and listening to his word Just like Mary was doing. Mary was sitting at His feet, listening to His Word. There's always been a close connection between these. Now the first passage that we look at together is in Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31 in verses 9 through 13. Let's just read a little bit. And we will state the context if it is not apparent from the reading. So Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priest... The sons of Levi, who carry the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and to all the elders of Israel. Then Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the time of the remission of debt, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, at the place he will choose, you will read this law in front of all Israel in their hearing. Assemble the people, the men, the women, and the children, "...and the alien who is in your town, in order that they may hear, and they may learn, and they may fear the Lord your God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law. Their children, who have not known, will hear and learn to fear the Lord your God, as long as you live on the land which you are about to cross the Jordan to possess." The Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles took place in the seventh month. In many ways, particularly after the return from Babylonian captivity, this feast may have been the most important feast it was at the end of the agricultural year and there was a certain sense that we have finished this year's work and uh, there was a spirit of rejoicing. But it was the Feast of Booths, verse 10 says, the Feast of Tabernacles. And every seventh year at the Feast of Booths, when they forgive debts, which was discussed in Deuteronomy chapter 15, when you do that, you gather all the people You gather the men and the women and children, the alien. You gather them all and you read all the words of God. It was important when they came to this Feast of Tabernacles, which notice in verse 11 is described as appearing before the Lord your God. At these feasts, they appeared before the Lord. It's an expression used for this public worship time. And they come to the feast booths and they appear before the Lord and all the people were assembled and they read all the words of the Lord. They read all the words of the Lord and he said the goal is that all of them may hear it and they may learn And they may fear the Lord. In the midst of a world where so many things clamor for our attention, how are we going to emphasize to our children that the Word of God is what we need to pay attention to. That God and His Word is what we need to make as the foundation of our lives. One way is to read it together. If they hear, they learn, it will produce a respect, an awe, a fear of God. An awe that leads them to do, to observe what He says. And your children who've not known. They're going to hear it. They're going to hear it. And they're going to learn. To fear God. It is interesting. In the book of Deuteronomy. Just some things that lead people. To fear God. That may be another lesson. But one is just. Just reading the word. When you are disconnected from the word. It doesn't have its power, its impact. The, vo- the verse that Boyd read, the word of God is, is sharp and, and is quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Hebrews 4, verse 12. Start reading it. And sometimes it may change your perspective. One columnist wrote several years ago that he was an atheist. He said, to be honest, he said, I wasn't just an atheist. He said, I was a, I was a pretty hard-headed atheist. He said, I had a secretary that was playing some Christian music rather loudly. I said, turn it off. But he said, in the process of his work, he said he had to go to a prison in South America. And while he was in this prison, interviewing one of the prisoners, he saw, he saw the South American authorities mistreating a prisoner in in such a horrible fashion. He said, it challenged me. It challenged me. Because I had said, there's no right, there's no wrong. And he said, I saw that. And I knew there's something wrong. There's got to be something wrong. Because this is not right. So he said, my first step was I understood there was a right and wrong. A few years later, I'm in Arkansas. I'm interviewing a death row prisoner who is borderline mentally handicapped. And he said, he quoted the scripture. And he said, I didn't say anything, but he said, I thought to myself, here is this condemned criminal. This person who is nearly being who deposed I never even read the book. I'm supposed to be educated and I'm an educator and, and I don't even know the most influential book that ever was written. And he said, I started reading the book. I started reading it just from the standpoint of seeing what it said and seeing why people talked about it. And he said within nine months I knew that it was the word of God. I knew it was truth. I knew that this was what I've been looking for my whole life. Just reading the Word led him to that conviction. What can it do for you? What can it do for your children and your grandchildren? Look at Psalm 95. (coughs) Psalm 95. What I want us to see is that really this whole Psalm is a call to worship, an appeal to worship. But I want us to see, particularly when we get to verses 6 through 8, the close connection between worship and listening to Scripture. In Psalm Oh, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock. Of our salvation, let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great King, and a great King above all gods. In whose hand are the depths of the earth? The peaks of the mountains are His. The sea is His. For it is He who made made it, and His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us worship. Let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah and in the days of Massah in the wilderness. So all this description of God as God and God as King in verses 1 through 5, this is to lead us in verse 6 to worship, to bow down, to kneel before the Lord our Maker. We worship Him, we bow down before Him, and we kneel. And then He says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. It seems like in Jewish history. And sometimes that was used in synagogue services as people came in and they read this Word. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. And it's always good instruction for us. When we listen to the reading of the Word, when we listen to the preaching of the Word, when we listen to the teaching of the Word, today, if you hear his voice do not harden your heart when we hear the word and the word convicts us act on that today if you hear his voice don't harden your hearts but my point in reading it is the close connection between worshiping bowing down and hearing his word. One more passage that I wanted to use is Nehemiah 8. Nehemiah 8. In this passage, Nehemiah and Ezra appear together. The passage tells us about a podium that was built for this occasion. It goes into detail in verse 4, talking about uh, all the people that were with Ezra uh, near the front. But um, it tells us the setting is the first day of the seventh month. And they all came together at the water gate, in front of the water gate. And the text tells us, let's focus beginning with verse 5, It says, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was standing above the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Now we talked earlier about standing up to read. Here, when he opened the book, everyone stands up. Out of a sense of reverence. For God's Word. In verse 6. Ezra blessed the Lord. The great God. And all the people answered Amen and Amen. While lifting up their hands. They bowed low and worshipped the Lord. With their faces to the ground. Verse 8. They read from the law. From the book. From the law of God. Translating to give the sense. So that they understood the reading. Now. I don't know if I can in a few minutes even begin to show the awesomeness of this occasion. Here, the people do not have a king, they are going to be held together the next 450 years by the book that we call the scriptures, the Old Testament. And Ezra takes that book and they reverence that book and they stand up and they listen to him read the book. And the Bible tells us in verse 3 earlier it says they read from this book from early morning till midday. And all the people were attentive. I hear stories from people who preach in places like Ethiopia, in places like Sierra Leone, in places like Kenya, Kenya, that they will preach. And one preacher will follow another and they will be there five and six hours. And sometimes the people get mad. Because they don't need to hear more. Wow. Ezra reads from morning to midday. And All of them are listening. And they're reading it. And they're not only reading it, verse 8, the idea of giving sense. Maybe it was they were providing an Aramaic translation of the Hebrew original and explaining difficult parts, but there's some kind of exposition going on. And it was a sad day. And it was a happy day. It was a sad day. Because the people heard the word and they were so convicted and they began to weep. But Ezra and Nehemiah tell them don't weep. Don't weep. This is a day that's holy to the Lord. This is a day of rejoicing of sending gifts to one another and the reason is because they have seen The importance of the Word in the life of the nation. May we see the importance of the Word in our spiritual life individually. In our life together, corporately. Let us pray. Oh Lord our God. What an awesome thing that you have revealed yourself to us in Scripture. We do not deserve it. And we certainly could not figure you out with our own understanding. Thank you for revealing yourself in scripture in your words and in your ways may we read it may we cherish it may it lead us to revere you in Jesus we pray amen friend if we can help you Make your life right with God. If you believe Jesus died and rose again and are willing to turn from your sins in repentance, do what they did on the day of Pentecost as 3,000 were baptized for a mission of their sins. We invite you to come as we stand and see.